Episode 17, How to Become a Prosecutor. The Four Legal English podcast is now in session. On the docket today, we discuss how to become a prosecutor in the United States. How does an attorney become a prosecutor? How are prosecutors' offices organized? We'll also discuss life as a new prosecutor, the career path of a prosecutor, and the career prospects after leaving the prosecutor's office. Welcome to the Four Legal English Podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world who want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. In this podcast, we discuss different legal topics, such as law in the news, law in practice, legal writing, legal movies, and other issues. I am Timothy Barrett, your host. I'm a former practicing attorney in the United States, and now teach law in Tbilisi, Georgia. Go to our website, 4 is in the number 4, LegalEnglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com, 4LegalEnglish.com. Check out our blog articles, available courses, and then the show notes for this episode. On the docket today, episode 17, How to Become a Prosecutor. What is a prosecutor? A prosecutor represents the government in criminal cases. In some jurisdictions, the same office will represent the government in civil cases. For example, in the United States Department of Justice, in the Attorney General's Office in many states, and county attorneys. But the attorneys that represent the government in civil cases are not really prosecutors. We use that term when we're talking about criminal cases. We have the term prosecutor the prosecutor's office, or the process, the prosecution, the verb, prosecute, to prosecute. So we have a lot of different versions of this word or related to this word. And remember, in the U.S. system, it's a federal system, so there's really two different courts, two different court systems. Let's start with the federal system. In the federal system, there are 94 district courts or U.S. district courts. There's at least one of these for each state, but this is kind of based on population and demand. So in many states, there's more than one district court. In some states, such as New York, California, where there's a high populated state, there's up to four different district courts in the state. For each district court, there's a U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney is appointed by the president and must be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. This is set up by the Constitution. The U.S. Attorney would be considered an officer of the United States, a high official within the federal government. Each U.S. Attorney will hire for their own office, and they can hire assistant U.S. Attorneys. Sometimes you might see the abbreviation AUSA, Assistant United States Attorney. And there's roughly over 2,000 of these assistant U.S. Attorneys. And they oversee and supervise criminal investigations within their district, Often vacancies are posted in usajobs.com, other places where you can find jobs within the federal government. In the state system, 
In the United States, there's over 2,000 prosecuting offices throughout the country. Each state will set up their own system, of course, and so sometimes they have different titles. If you watch movies or TV shows, the most common that you'll hear is probably district attorney. So the district attorney, their assistant will be called an assistant district attorney, so DA or ADA. In other states, they'll have a county attorney, assistant county attorney or deputy county attorney. Other states will have a state attorney and the assistant state attorney. And there are a couple of states where they just call them a prosecuting attorney. All of these will have an official title I just discussed, but you can also just call them the prosecutor. That is a generic term for these official positions. And the district attorney, county attorney, or state attorney are elected. So within that county or judicial district, however it's set up in that state, the voters within that district will elect the county attorney, district attorney, or state attorney. And just like the U.S. attorney, that elected official will hire their own staff. And it is usually those assistants that will handle most of the cases. And the prosecutor will work with law enforcement, but they don't really supervise the law enforcement, which is distinct from the federal system. But it is the prosecutor's role to decide to press charges or not, or what charges to press. The arresting officer may charge one offense, well, it's up to the prosecutor to decide, will they keep that charge or change it to something else? Or to dismiss the case entirely if they think the case is without merit. For most cases, the prosecutor has no knowledge until an arrest is made. They don't know anything about this case or this investigation until the arrest is made, and then they see it on the court docket probably the next day. This is unlike the federal system where the assistant U.S. attorney is probably involved in the investigation and has a supervisory role. Of course, for big cases, homicide cases, major fraud, things like that, often the detectives will work with the prosecutor to make sure they're on the same page. The prosecutor may have suggestions, and hopefully they'll have a good working relationship that they can help each other out. And certainly when the prosecutor's office and the law enforcement officers don't get along, that doesn't make for an effective criminal justice system. So what type of law enforcement officers will the prosecutor deal with? They often have the county sheriff. The sheriff is also an elected official and hires deputy sheriffs. The city police department. So if it's a city or even some small towns will have a police department. The police chief is usually hired by the mayor or the city council, town council, whatever it is, but not elected. Each state will have a state police, state troopers, state highway patrol, some law enforcement agency like that. Often their primary responsibility is patrolling the highways. So they deal with a lot of traffic enforcement, and a common arrest is drunk driving. And there may be other specialty law enforcement officers. When I was a prosecutor, I dealt on one case with a state arson investigator, on another case, a state insurance fraud investigator. So both were kind of highly specialized and I dealt with them in those individual cases, but n never dealt with them again. Whereas the detectives from the sheriff's office or the police department, I dealt with you know, repeatedly, time and time again, so you build a relationship with them. Each prosecutor's office does their own hiring. They often advertise in the state bar website or in the newspaper. And of course, you need to be a member of that state bar. Otherwise, you don't have the right of audience in, in the court. Usually you apply by sending a resume and application letter, and then they will set up an in-person interview. In my experience, a lot of the attorneys working in a prosecutor's office were either new attorneys, they just graduated law school and, and just got admitted to the bar, 
or very experienced attorneys. So had maybe 20 years or more experience as an attorney and then decided to become a prosecutor. Probably a prosecutor again. They probably started out as a prosecutor, went into civil practice, and then came back to the prosecutor's office kind of to end their career there. Of course, I worked with some prosecutors that were kind of in the, in the middle of their career that, that started out as prosecutors, maybe stayed there and, and want to make their whole career there. But at least in, in my experience, maybe it's anecdotal, most of them were either new attorneys or very experienced attorneys. And you also have in each state an attorney general's office. In some states, they will prosecute felonies, major crimes, or certain felonies, you know, very serious felonies, such as homicide or other, other cases. But usually, they will represent the state in criminal appeals, so after the trial court is over, or in civil cases, they represent the state. New Prosecutor. As a new prosecutor, they'll send you to training. Some of this might be in-house, especially in a large prosecutor's office. They might have formal training for the newly hired prosecutors. Since most of these are probably going to be new attorneys, they're probably going to be hired at the end of summer or early fall because they'll have graduated law school at the end of spring, early summer. They'll take the bar exam in the summer. I think it's in July. Sometimes the prosecutors will hire shortly after they take the bar exam, so they don't know the results yet, but they'll hire them and start them working. If they're not a member of the bar, they can't be a prosecutor yet, but they can work in the prosecutor's office, start to help out, figure out how to become a prosecutor, what to do as a prosecutor. Once they get the exam results, they get admitted to the bar, then they can start working as a full prosecutor. So in those large prosecutor's offices, they'll usually have some formal in-house training set up by the senior prosecutors in the office. But you'll also have some outside training. You know, whether it's in a small prosecutor's office or a large, they'll still send you to outside training. One of the best trainings I've ever received as a lawyer was the, the Bennett Prosecutor Public Defender Trial Advocacy Training Course in Florida, where it was a week, maybe it was 10 days, but you had a lot of prosecutors, public defenders, being taught by some very experienced prosecutors and defense attorneys. And so it was a great experience. We had a couple of hypothetical cases where we had the fact pattern to them. We had to be familiar before we arrived. And we went through the entire case. I believe we picked a jury in opening arguments as well as examination of witnesses, direct exam and cross-exam and closing arguments. It was a great experience. You could see the others do their examinations, and they record, and you could review your examination with other experienced attorneys that would give you additional feedback. So it was a really great training experience. Often the State Bar Association will have trainings for new lawyers, and sometimes specifically for new prosecutors, or there might be a State Prosecutors Association that will have training for new prosecutors. And there is a National District Attorneys Association, I believe it's NDAA, that will have some great training for prosecutors throughout the country. And usually that's a week-long training course on, on some facet of prosecution. And that's also a, a great way to expand your knowledge. Usually lawyers will have an obligation to take continuing legal education courses, CLEs. And usually if you're employed as a lawyer, your employer will pay for these courses, whether you're in private practice or as a prosecutor, that, that's normally how it is. And so the prosecutor's office will pay 
for your training that you, that's required for the CLEs. But of course, it kind of depends on their budget. Many offices don't have a large budget, so they might not send you to that you know, NDAA nationwide training, but they'll send you to a local one. Or nowadays, a lot is online anyway, so you might be able to do the training online virtually instead of traveling to a great location for, for the training. As a new prosecutor, you'll probably be prosecuting misdemeanor offenses. A misdemeanor is a relatively minor offense where the maximum jail time is up to one year. That doesn't mean that they'll receive one year, of course, but the maximum penalty imposed is up to one year. So these types of cases are probably a lot of drunk driving cases, maybe domestic violence, batteries, uh, maybe driving on suspended licenses, shoplifting, other types of petty theft. Those are common cases for misdemeanor court. This is a great chance to get trial experience. Often the trials last one or two days, but it's a great experience for a new lawyer to go through the motions. And as the prosecutor, you kind of lead the trial. You're the one that does most of the, the questioning when you're voir direing, when you're picking the jury. Of course, both sides make an opening argument, but the prosecutor probably calls most of the witnesses. And the direct examination of the witnesses take much more time than the cross-examination for most witnesses. So as a prosecutor, you're getting a lot of great experience. Now, a lot of times the public defender will also get great experience, they'll get trial experience, but it's not usually as in-depth as the prosecutor side, just because as a prosecutor, you're making the case, you have to build up the case, so you have a higher burden when you're in court. Of course, only 3 to 7% of cases usually go to trial, most of the time they're resolved before the trial begins, but the prosecutor has to make those decisions, make those negotiations. So to be a prosecutor is a great chance to also improve your negotiating skills. Another thing that a misdemeanor prosecutor is probably dealing with is the first appearances. So when someone is arrested, they have a constitutional right to appear in front of a judge soon thereafter, usually within 24 hours, usually it's the next day. And we call that the first appearance, the first appearance before a judge. So usually, at least during the week, it's the misdemeanor prosecutors that will handle those first appearances, even if the case itself is a, a felony case. If you're enjoying today's episode, please subscribe, give us five stars, and a review. You can also go to our website, fours and the number four, legal English, no spaces or dashes, dot com. That's fourlegalenglish.com. Check out our blog articles, available courses, and the show notes for this episode. You can also comment. This is a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. If you're looking to improve those legal English skills, consider our Elemental Legal English course. This is our flagship course, which introduces you to a lot of the important legal English terms. This is completely online, and you can complete it at your own pace. This is based on a university semester-length course. The course includes video lectures with me, Timothy Barrett, quizzes to reinforce and test your knowledge from the lessons, a downloadable lexicon workbook to complete as you complete the course, flashcards with every chapter, an excerpt from a court case, a landmark decision, with a discussion and questions about that case. And each chapter has blocks on grammar and idioms, as well as a chapter end Test. If you're looking to improve your legal English skills, this is a great way to do it.
You can check it out on our website, forlegalenglish.com, and look for the Elemental Legal English course. Career path for a prosecutor. So since there are so many different prosecutor's offices, we said over 2,000 in the United States, there are some that are very small, some are going to be very large. Depending on the size of your office, will influence the possible career path for a prosecutor within that office. But after working on misdemeanor cases, another possible responsibility would be juvenile cases. So juvenile cases would definitely include juvenile delinquency, juvenile meaning a a child or a minor, someone under 18 years old, delinquency meaning a criminal act or an act that would be criminal if it was by an adult, but because it was committed by a minor, by a juvenile, someone under 18, it is not really a criminal act, but it's something that the court still needs to address. So we call those juvenile delinquency cases. Defendant or the accused is accused of being a delinquent. Besides delinquency, juvenile cases might also include abuse and neglect or child in need of supervision cases. Depending on how the state is organized, it may be a kind of a civil attorney who handles these types of cases. Maybe the prosecutor only handles the delinquency, but in some states, the prosecutor will handle all three. Abuse and neglect is when the parents or guardians are accused of abusing or neglecting their children. So the state needs to, to step in and either provide assistance or, or at the extreme, take away the kids so that they're not abused or neglected anymore. In the child in need of supervision, often abbreviated CHINS, C-H-I-N-S, child in need of supervision. Uh, And this is when maybe it's not a full abuse or neglect, but this child needs more supervision than their parents or guardian is, is able to give them. And so again, the emphasis is the best interest of the child, trying to give them some help or maybe taking them out of a situation, trying to put them into a better environment. When I started out as a prosecutor, I I didn't handle misdemeanors. I went right to juvenile cases. Another option is domestic violence court. Many jurisdictions will have a special court or special docket for domestic violence cases. And domestic violence is when a family member commits assault or battery, some kind of offense against other family members. What is a family member? is set up by statute. This is certainly not a common law offense, so it's set up by statute. At the very least, it would include husband and wife, children and parents, usually brothers and sisters. Often, even if it is husband and wife that are divorced, that is still considered domestic violence. And even if they were never married, but they have a child in common, usually that would also be under the domestic violence statutes. It could be a little bit wider. Some In some states, it's anyone who lives together, so roommates, it could be students in college who are sharing a room together that and if they hit each other, that might be domestic violence. I, I don't think that's a great use of the statute, but in some jurisdictions that does qualify as domestic violence. But because DV cases are so unique and kind of special, in some jurisdictions they will set up a special court or a special docket to handle all the DV cases. I worked in, in one court where the misdemeanor judge actually handled all of the misdemeanor and felony DV cases. So they all came to that one court, and he was sitting specially as a felony judge in those cases. And of course, another path is 
felony cases. After dealing with misdemeanor cases, they may be promoted in dealing with felony cases. Remember, for a misdemeanor, the possible punishment is up to one year of incarceration, of imprisonment, and the felony is the possible punishment is more than one year. Of course, that doesn't mean they have to receive that punishment, but that's a possible punishment the court may impose. In some states, there are more felony cases than misdemeanor cases, but in most states, there are a lot more misdemeanor cases than, than felony. Felonies should be reserved for more serious offenses. And within felony, sometimes we'll have special dockets or special prosecutors that will deal with certain cases, such as sex offense cases or homicide cases. Often these will be kind of set aside for, for a prosecutor who specializes in these types of cases. But of course, depends on the jurisdiction. And another possible career path might be as a supervising attorney or a training attorney. You're going to get new prosecutors probably every fall, every August, September, something like that. You're going to need some attorneys who are more seasoned, more experienced to help train these new attorneys. And if it's in a large prosecutor's office, you're going to need a supervisor that are responsible for certain sections of the prosecutors or maybe for certain divisions of the office. Depending on how it's set up, they might also prosecute individual cases themselves while they're still supervising, or maybe they don't prosecute many cases, but they supervise the other prosecutors. Post-prosecution career. So what happens after a prosecutor leaves the prosecutor's office? This is pretty common because many new lawyers start out as a prosecutor they work for maybe two, three, four years, and then move on. There's many reasons why they might move on. In most jurisdictions, the prosecutors are not very well paid. So maybe they want to get some experience. Maybe they want to give something back to the community, etc. But eventually, they kind of need to, to move on and, and make a little bit more money, if only to pay off their student loan. But being a prosecutor is a great experience. As we said, they handle many cases, and it's a high amount of responsibility for a new attorney. If they got a job straight away in the civil practice, maybe even in a big law firm, they might make a lot more money. However, they wouldn't have the same level of responsibility. In those big civil cases, they'd probably never see the inside of a courtroom, or at least they would never get to speak. It would be the, the partners who are speaking, not the new associates. And they certainly wouldn't be responsible for making many important decisions. As a prosecutor, you're usually negotiating with the defense attorney, you're making deals, perhaps also negotiating with the judge, that sort of thing. So you, you have a high level of responsibility. And you're also in court frequently. You're arguing motions, you're dealing with defense attorneys, with the court clerks, with police officers, with detectives, and with judges, as well as witnesses, victims, complainants. You're dealing with all those people. So it is a great place to get experience. And the crown jewel is you're getting a lot of jury trial. So jury trials are very difficult, they're very challenging, and prosecutors probably have more jury trial experience than any other type of lawyer. So if you're looking to get that experience, prosecutor is probably where you want to start out. So after they leave the prosecutor's office, some will go to the other side. They switch tables in the courtroom, and now they're the defense attorney, the defense counsel. Usually the pay is going to be much better. They already have experience. They know what, what criminal cases are like. They know, especially if they're in the same jurisdiction, they know what the normal deals are, that sort of thing. So they already have the experience. 
Now they're just switched their client. But many go on to civil practice. Again, they have this great trial experience, this great courtroom experience that it's very difficult to accumulate that doing civil practice. So they go ahead and, and switch into civil practice and make use of all that, all that knowledge. And further on down the road, maybe they become judge. A lot of judges, I don't know the numbers, but I would say most judges have some prosecution experience behind them, at least in the state court level. In the U.S. system, to be considered for a judge, you should have a wide range of experiences. If you want to be a judge to be competitive, you probably want some experience as a prosecutor in criminal law and then have more experience in civil practice, dealing with a few different areas of civil law. Because as a judge, you could deal with all types of cases. So you don't want to be too narrow with your background. And in the American legal system, it's very common for lawyers to change what their specialties are as their career progresses. For most lawyers, they don't start out doing one area of law and then spend their whole career doing it. Some lawyers might do that, but I'd say that that's very unusual. Usually they will focus on a, you know, one or two things, and then maybe over the next five or ten years that might change to something a little bit different. Terms. Let's look at some of the legal terms that we talked about today. Misdemeanor, felony, juvenile, juvenile delinquency, delinquent, district attorney, assistant district attorney, county attorney, deputy county attorney, state attorney, assistant state attorney, U.S. attorney, assistant U.S. attorney, U.S. district court, sheriff. Are there any words that I used today that you didn't understand? please post in the comments and I'll try to explain those words. Do you have any questions about becoming a prosecutor in the U.S.? How does this compare with your jurisdiction? How do you become a prosecutor where you are? If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, give us five stars, and a review. Also, go to the website, four is in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com, for legalenglish.com. You can check out our blog articles, available courses, and the show notes for this episode, episode 17. You can also see the online quiz. I'll post a quiz about the content of today's episode. So take the quiz, see how you did. Did you understand what we were talking about today? And feel free to leave a comment on the show notes. Tell us what you liked about the episode or what you didn't like. The Four Legal English Podcast is adjourned. Don't miss the next docket call.